0: Okay, you did not enter a Lutheran church today. <laughs> I am teaching on Ocama come Emanuel. And uh, last week I got a little slack because they're like, you did not give enough information about the song. I only took one word from the song. So I'm like, well, okay, we'll bring a little bit of history. But this song is, has such a beautiful story behind it, but it was originally written in Latin. So I thought, what a beautiful moment to be able to hear it, how it was actually sung back in the day. And uh, wasn't that just beautiful? There's just something so powerful about that. So, Just a little bit of history about this song is it dates back between the eighth and the twelfth century, and which is about 1,200 years ago. Something that we're seeing consistent in these beautiful songs is that the word of God just remains, doesn't it? You can't shut down God's word; it's so powerful. And so it was about 1,200 years ago, and like I said, the text was originally written in Latin. They actually didn't sing this song; Um, they spoke it. It was like a chant in the churches, and it would be like short lines of reading of the Psalms, and then there would be the chanting of these coming to uh, Christmas Day. And it was known as the O Antiphons. Antiph- Has anybody ever heard of that before? O Antiphons. And what it was is seven days leading up to Christmas Eve, they would gather in the churches and the monks would, would read scripture um, leading up to this particular antom. And um, what, what they meant was, um, what, what, I'm sorry, what they prophesied was about Isaiah and they would read the scriptures of Isaiah's prophecy. And this is so powerful. So, like the first day from the Old Testament, they would talk about, O oh, wisdom, which you saw, which you heard in the song. The second night was, O oh, Lord. The third night was about the root of David. The fourth night was the king of David. The fifth was, O oh, kingdom, rising sun, and O oh, king of the nations. And then the last one would be, O oh, come, O oh, come, Emmanuel. Uh, but that wasn't the first translation of the song. The first translation was was called um, Draw Nigh, Draw Nigh, Emmanuel. And the church parishioners, they would not sing this song. Only the monks would sing this song or chant the verses. And then it got to where... Um, They stopped this song. They stopped doing the chants, and it really got lost, and so there was a man by the name of um, Thomas, I believe Thomas Lacey. If we can put his picture up. I thought this was pretty interesting, and this is his story. I'm sorry, Nathan, or John Mason is his name. This is the story of how it happened. It says, in the early 19th century, the angel and Anglican church the church of england was in decline the theology of the church had been watered down by secular influences and the liturgy and general quality of the worship experience suffered as a result does that kind of sound like the church today It got lost. The truth got lost. So a group of uh, theologians from Oxford University set about to revitalize the Anglican church in the efforts known as the Oxford Movement. The Oxford Movement helped bring about a return to a traditional Catholic Christian liturgy and elevated the quality of music and hymns sung during that service. And so this man, John Mason, uh, printed the first translation of that liturgy, which gives us today, O Come, O Come come Emmanuel. Isn't that just so powerful? So we're going to study about this this morning, about O come, O come Emmanuel, and we're going to really focus about Emmanuel meeting God with us. And when you really study this, that word Emmanuel means God is... God was and God will be with us. How many are so thankful that God is before us? He's behind us and He's definitely in our future. This is this so powerful? So, we're going to really uh, slow down and talk about Emmanuel, meaning God with us. How many have ever prayed that prayer, God be with us? You're going on a trip with your kids and you're like, God be with us. You know, whatever the situation is, God be with my children, be in this situation. I know I'll go to Target and I'll be like, God, give me the best parking spot in the name of Jesus. Lord be with me. I'm sure he doesn't hear a thing that I'm saying, but we can still pray in faith believing. Amen. So what does it really mean to God be with us? And I'm really praying that this is going to stir your heart today and, and give you some hope as we come into this Christmas season that God is with you. Even in the hard times, even in the challenging times, God is with you and on your side. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, which is the story of the, of, uh, the Virgin Mary. And it's Matthew's version of the birth of Christ. And we're going to break down some beautiful verses here. So let's look at Matthew um, 1 and verse 21. And I love this. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. How many are so thankful for Jesus? I'm so thankful, and I'm thankful for that name because there's so much power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the name above every name, every situation, every circumstance that you're facing. Jesus is above that. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's so much power in his name. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. We are so thankful that we have. Jesus that came into this world and lowered himself to be like man and die on a cross and resurrect again. And verse goes on to say, because he will save his people from their sins. I want to stop right there, and I want to just really settle in the moment of what was happening here. And this announcement to the Jewish people, they were longing to hear for centuries about a Savior that would be sent into the world. There was hundreds of years that they, they, they did not have, they had this prophecy, but it wasn't fulfilled yet. So for them to hear about the fulfillment of their pro- this prophecy changed their life. We hear the story now, and we're so thankful for the birth of Jesus but they longed for Jesus. They longed for the fulfillment of this prophecy that they had heard for centuries. And now Matthew is making this declaration of the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, is on the scene. Imagine how they must have felt this thing that they've been longing for for so long is actually here and happening. How many are so thankful that there's things you've been believing and trusting God for, and now it's here, and that miracle shows up. Your son or daughter gets saved. Your marriage is touched by the Holy Spirit. There's healing in your body. So just imagine what they were feeling in that moment. So in verse 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, I want to look at this because Matthew's about to quote a prophecy from 700 years prior that was an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah. And he prophesied in Isaiah 7.14 that this would come to pass. It was 700 years later of the fulfillment of prophecy. How good is God that all these years later, the prophecy was coming to pass. And something that they had been believing God and trusting God for was fulfilled. And one thing that we have to look in the promise of God's word, that God's word will always be fulfilled. Whatever word's been spoken of your life, it will be fulfilled. And if you're, if you're looking at prophecy in the, New Test, in the Old Testament, there are over 2,500 prophecies in the Old Testament. That's a lot of prophecies to be fulfilled. People want to say, well, the Bible isn't real and it's just a casual book and things have been taken out or whatever. We know some of that is true, but out of 2,500 prophecies, over 2,000 of them have been fulfilled to date. And probably more because we're living in some fulfillment of prophecies right now in the season that we're living in. Think about the chances of the fulfillment of those prophecies. 2,000. So I started doing a little bit of research and I started looking like, what's the probability of prophecies coming to pass from Scripture. You know, there's a lot of things. I've been prophesied a lot of things. It hasn't happened yet. Some things have, and many of you also. But if you look at the chances of one of those prophecies coming to pass, okay, one of them, it is one in ten gazillion. So let's just break this down. It's one in ten with 2,000 zeros following it. That's the chance of one prophecy being fulfilled. Listen to the power of the word of God that 2,000 of them have been fulfilled. That's the life and the power of God's word. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus. So in verse 23, it said, The virgin will be, will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God is with you. This is the most earth-shattering news possible for anyone who is listening, because you have to understand these Jewish people, the God that they knew was powerful. They weren't allowed to be in God's presence they weren't allowed to face God. You have to understand this news that this God came down here on earth and they can dwell with him and they can be with him when they knew for generations they weren't allowed to be in the presence of God. If you look in the Old Testament, God was too holy to even look upon him in his pure essence and his, and his pure form. You wouldn't even be able to live in the presence of God. Moses, when God came down and walked before him, said, you've got to hide in the crevice and turn your back because you can't see my glory. See, this is the God that they understood, this God that was judgment, this God that was fierce. And now you're telling me he's here on the scene? You know, in the Old Testament, the high priests were the only one who could go into the presence of God once a year. And if he wasn't fully purified, they would tie a rope around his leg and on the bottom of his robe would have bells and they would hear if the bells stopped, they knew God did not bless him and he would kill over dead and they'd have to pull him out by the rope because only the high priest could go in to the presence of God once a year. So now they're hearing Matthew prophesy that the Son of God is here, the redeeming Son of God. No longer do they have to fight for relationship. No longer do they have to struggle with sacrifices. Their Redeemer is here. Imagine the joy that was in their heart. When all of a sudden, suddenly, right, He is, God is with us. It kind of makes you stop and think and look at maybe why those shepherds came so far to meet Jesus. Why the Bible says that the shepherds went back into the field and they were rejoicing. I don't even know what their rejoicing looked like. See, when you know Jesus, your Savior, your Emmanuel is with you, it'll bring a rejoicing in your heart. It'll bring an excitement in your heart when you know that God is in your life, that he's never left you. He's never forgotten you and he's not forsaken you. They were rejoicing. The wise men fell to their knees and bowed down in worship. What happened? They had a realization in that moment that God was not a distant God anymore. He was right among them. He wasn't far away. He wasn't uninvolved. The creator of the universe, the one who said, let there be light and there was light, was now in their midst. I think sometimes we forget as Christ followers the power of Emmanuel that is with us. We have the all-powerful, all-knowing majesty Emmanuel in every situation of our life. What happened? Jesus stripped himself of his glory, and he became like all of us. Jesus became all God, and he was all man, and he dwelt on the earth. Now, I want to look real quick at John one one, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word is God. What does this show? Emmanuel, from the very beginning, he was in the beginning. He was in the end. He is the Word of God. John 1.14 goes on to say, And the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth truth that's the powerful Emmanuel we see in scripture John 1 he is he was and he will be he's not just watching over certain situations he is Emmanuel in your life he was God in your life and he will always be God in your life I think the struggle might be do we really believe that do we really be, believe that the man Emmanuel is in my life through every situation? Because some of you came in here today or know people today that are maybe going through some trying times, going through some struggles, going, How can Emmanuel be with me in this situation? Can we just get honest? I'm going through some sickness. I'm going through some situations with my children or my family. I can't see Emmanuel in this situation. There's times when we don't have the, the happy Jesus tingles all the time. We don't always feel the furry love with Jesus. I mean, who, who wouldn't love to feel that every day? But that's not reality. We don't always feel the goosebumps. But just because I don't feel him or I might, might not see him in the moment, he is Emmanuel. He is with me. He is with you even when you can't see him. He is with you when you can't hear him. He is working something in the realm of your life, about to turn it around for good. And I'm going to prove it to you in scripture. It's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? Because we go through trials. We go through financial difficulties. We go through things that we're ashamed of. We go through desert experiences. How many are ready to come out of your desert experience we need some well watered garden in those desert times don't we and what happens sometimes even this Christmas time can magnify it can magnify the good Christmas can bring all the good and it makes everything good just gooder you know and it does all the wonderful things the wonderful memories that we can make but it also can bring magnification to the painful times in our life it can really magnify the really hard times in our life that maybe you're facing a loss in your life of someone that you loved and they're no longer with you or, or maybe a divorce or maybe a separation or challenging in relational, um, relational tension or those things that come in our life and what do they do? They hurt our hearts. They challenge us and we're like, how can God be in this situation? Before you leave today, I believe God's going to stir your heart that God is with you God is Emmanuel over your life. So number one today, we're going to talk about this. God is with you. He is with you. Luke 1.28 says, The angel went to her and said, this is Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, a couple things I want to look at here is she walked in favor with God. What she was about to enter into, she needed the favor of God in her life. But the angel came and gave her a very important truth that she needed, and that was that God was with her. She needed to know that what she was about to face, she needed to know God was with her. We see the good end of the story, don't we? We see, yes, this beautiful baby was born, but she had some trials along the way. She had some things that she had to find, remember that God was with her no matter the difficulties. That word with you means, is the word meta, and it means with, after, and ahead. That same word said, I'm with you, I'm behind you, I'm with you in the moment, and I'm ahead of you. She needed to know that this difficult situation, God was going to be with her. You need to know in your difficult situation, God is with you. He never leaves you. He never, backs, he never holds back from you. He never gives up on you. His promises are yes and amen over your life. He has favor for you. Emmanuel is with you, amen. He, what that does is it leads you to a place of blessings that makes the trials fade away. When you know that God is with you, you're facing the trial. But when you know that he's on your side, it makes the problems fade away. Because greater is he that's in me than he in the situation that I'm facing. If you look at Emmanuel, it it means this, God's presence deep within our own humanity. Now just think about that for a minute. Emmanuel is God's presence deep into your humanity. Where do we need it? In the things that I'm disappointed about. The things that I'm frustrated about, the places where I'm like, God, where are you? I need God's Emmanuel in those deep places of my heart. When you feel alone, Emmanuel is with you. Emmanuel is your companion. He's your comforter. When you feel lost and you're not sure what decisions to make, you're not sure what direction to go, the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, will be your guide. When you're weak in life and you don't know if you can take, go on any longer, he is your strength. He's Emmanuel. When you're sick in your body and you get a bad diagnosis, he's Emmanuel. He is with you, healing you. When you're hurt in your heart, he's the hope giver. He's Emmanuel. When you have sin in your life, he's the Savior. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. So what is God? He's all comfort. He's a comfort to us. That word comfort means perikileo, and it means to come alongside of you. What a beautiful picture that whatever you're facing, God comes alongside of you. You are not fighting your battle alone. And what you're looking at in your circumstances is not the dead end. God is with you. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will open up doors of opportunity. God will heal your body. We have to know that he is making a way for our life. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. What is that? Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Y'all too quiet today. He's the father of compassion and comfort. He cares about where you're at. He cares about what you want, what you need, what you're believing him for. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Isn't that powerful? So when you learn Emmanuel, you you learn his comfort in the moment of your brokenness, you can now give that love away to someone else who needs that comfort. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I am so thankful that God's with me on the mountaintops. I'm so glad when my life is happy and I can shout and I'm walking in favor and blessings, but I'm more happy when Emmanuel is with me in the valley. I'm more happy that Emmanuel is there when I get a bad report. I'm more happy to know that he's by my side when I'm going through trials or loneliness and don't feel worthy. I'm so thankful that he is there. Comfort means more than just a temporary relief or pain at ease. Comfort is this. It's the ability to rest because God carries your burdens and gives you the strength to keep going. He takes the burden off of your shoulders some of you need to let Emmanuel come into your situation. You need to let the God, the great I am, the one who has the answers, the one who can bring your truth, take the burdens off of your shoulders. You need to roll it off and put it at the foot of the cross and say, God, my, my burden is not my own. It's yours. I'm going to lay it down at your feet today. You may not see Jesus now, but Jesus is in your storm. He's there. He may be asleep in the back of the boat. You may need to wake up the word of God, but he is there at any moment. Amen? Number two, God was with you. And I think this is so powerful because sometimes it's more easier to uh, see his presence in the past than see it in the moment. How many can you look back and see, man, God showed up for me there? Uh, How many of you shouldn't be alive today because of the crazy things you did when you were younger? I had a prophet say to me when I was 17 years old, he said, I had a vision of you, and I saw you in a casket at a very young age. And I'm like, I don't like this prophecy. He said, the devil hates you, and he wants to kill He wants to kill you young. He wants to take you out. But guess what? Emmanuel is with me. Emmanuel was with me in the car when the devil tried to take me out of my car. Animal was with me when, when danger tried to come my way. Emmanuel was with me. Listen, Emmanuel has been in your life. He saved you from the lion. He saved you from the bear, and he will save you from what's about to come into your life. Whenever you're facing, God has already done it for you then. He will do it for you now you got to look back and you got to remember what god has brought you through and go man if he brought me through that whatever i'm facing today emmanuel is with me he was with me and he is with me now you look at joseph a perfect example joseph was a little boy with a big dream and he got his brothers thought he got a little arrogant maybe he did we don't know for sure But what did they do? They beat him, and they threw him in a pit, and they sold him into slavery. And then he walked in character and integrity, and he had false accusations come against him. Where was God in all of this? He he didn't see God in all of that. But how many know Emmanuel was with him? Emmanuel was working. He went from the pit. The pit became the passage to the palace. Come on. You may not see God in the situation that you're facing, but God is with you, and He's going to work things together for good in your life. He has favor for you just like He had for Mary. He has favor and directions and open opportunities for your life, but you got to see that God was with you. He went from the pit to the palace and became number two in charge. Imagine, he thought, where is Jesus in all of this? Where is Emmanuel? But look at Genesis 39, 21. It tells us, but the Lord, what? Was with Joseph through all of that. Well, God is, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. No, God is with you. God was with you through all those trials, amen? If he's with you, then he'll be with you now. He was with Joseph, and what did he do? He showed him mercy. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What does the Bible say in Psalms? I think it's Psalms 23 verse 6. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What you're facing is a temporary situation. Grace and mercy are following you in your life. If you look at, it went on to say he gave him favor That word favor for Joseph means this, it means elegance, it means charm. What is God going to make you do? It means make you look good. Whatever situation you're facing, God's going to make you look good. The enemy may make you look small right now, he may make you feel insignificant right now, and how can this thing turn out good? But when God's favor strikes your life, he makes you look good. If you look at that word favor for Mary, she also had favor. She was highly favored. It means she was pursued with grace and honor and blessings. Some of you just need to step into the favor of God in this situation. The favor of God. Let grace and mercy come in in the middle of your situation. Thank you, Jesus. I know when I was, uh, had so many times where I could see where Emmanuel was in my life. And I can face situations right now that haven't been answered yet. But I can look back and know when I was a little girl, I was paralyzed with one. One of my legs went paralyzed. And we didn't know what what to do or what was. No doctors could tell us what was going on. And my dad grabbed a Bible. He got me up in the middle of the night. And he grabbed a Bible. And he told me to stand on God's word because the Bible said to stand on God's word. And I stood on God's word and God instantly healed my leg. Emmanuel was with me amen there you can look back in your life i was alone at a new church i'd left everything that i love and i was at this other church and i was alone but emmanuel was with me he was tender loving mercies His, his grace was on my life mercy followed me in my life listen you should be broken you shouldn't be here today Life should have taken you out. You should be full of anger and unforgiveness and, and rebellion, but you're not. God, Emmanuel, was with you in your life, and you made it through it, and you're here, and now you're facing another situation. Emmanuel is with you. So thankful for that. And Number three, God will be with you. He is with you, he was with you, and he will be with you with you looking ahead at all the situations in your life god will be with you he'll open up doors of favor and opportunities we look at mary as we're studying about her this morning and we're going to have this song on christmas eve mary did you know and our own lydia is going to sing it and i can't wait to hear it but mary did you know she was holding this baby did you know what you were holding? Looking back in her situation, did she know, imagine if she could see into the future of what was about to happen in this whole journey with this baby Jesus. She was given this promise, but she had times where she needed Emmanuel. She needed to know the goodness of God in her life. She needed to know that God was with her when she conceived a child out of wedlock by the Holy Spirit. When people criticized her people spoke against her she needed to know emmanuel was with her in that trial she needed to know that god that an angel was going to speak to joseph and tell him it's going to be okay this is the son of god the bible clearly states that joseph was going to quietly divorce her okay he didn't, he didn't want to put it to shame but he was he was leaving her mary She had to know that Emmanuel was with that man walking out of her life, even though she was standing on the promise of God. She needed to know that when she was traveling on that donkey, how many think when you're going to birth the the son of God, you're going to have some classy journeys? You know, you might have the velvet, you know, and the men are carrying you. Nope, she was on a donkey for 100 miles. How can I be carrying the favor of, of God on the inside of me? She had to know Emmanuel was with her. How many times along her journey could she have quit and give up and been frustrated, but she was birthing something that was going to change the world forever? Listen, there's stuff in your life. If you'll just stay on that donkey, don't get off of it. It's stinky and it's uncomfortable. Imagine women who's had babies. You know, riding on a donkey full-term pregnant, that can't be fun. Then she showed up somewhere, and there was no room for her in the inn. Imagine, she had to know, God, I trust you. You have to be here in this situation. Then she gave birth in a stable with farm animals. Emmanuel, you have to be with me. None of this looked like the picture of what she thought was going to happen or possibly in her life. She had to know that Emmanuel was with her when she was trying to run and save her baby's life from being murdered. See, we think of Emmanuel with us, oh, things are grand and glorious, and they are sometimes, but there's sometimes where you need to know he's with you even when you don't see him. Why are all these things happening? I have to trust that Emmanuel is on my side somewhere. She had to remember that when her 12-year-old son stayed behind and she lost him for days, she had to remember, Emmanuel, you're with me. And then she goes and finds him, and he's out, he's teaching in the synagogue and says, hey, I got to be about my father's business, right? Told her mother off, Emmanuel, I'm going to trust you, right? She watched her son turn water into wine, performed his first miracle. She knew that God was with her. She knew that moment that her son would be falsely accused, hung on a cross, beaten. She knew that that was the prophecy, but she had to know that God was with her. Imagine watching your innocent son being hung on a cross, falsely accused and beaten, watching her son look up to heaven and say, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. She had to know Emmanuel was with her. How hard was that to watch her son lay down her life? Even though she knew he had to, she had to know Emmanuel was with her. She had to know that God was with her when the earth went dark and shook and all the sin came upon her son and there was great judgment. She had to know Emmanuel was with her somewhere. Will the prophecy be fulfilled? Is it true or did my son go through this for no reason? Did I watch my son die a painful death and lay his life down? Is it true? She didn't know if it was true yet or not. She had to know Emmanuel was with her. Then she ran to the tomb every day, and she waited one day. Is is he going to rise from the dead like he said? Day one goes by, Emmanuel, you're with me. She shows up day two to the tomb, expecting this prophecy to be fulfilled. Her son's going to rise from the dead. Day two, nothing. She goes home. Emmanuel, you have to be with me. But on that third day, (laughs) the tomb shook and that tomb opened to an empty grave. And Jesus, her son, had risen again. Amen. Emmanuel, her son had risen. It was true. Emmanuel, God is with you. God is with you today because of the Son, because of Jesus laying down his life, laying down his life for the sin that you might go through or your trials or your situation so that you can be with him. He's not a distance God. He's not a God that we have to earn or deserve. He's not a God that we have to sacrifice for. Emmanuel is in your life. He's with you through all those trials. And Romans 8.35 Paul asked this question. He said, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's going to separate us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What's going to separate you? Nothing. Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's your victory story. You're facing something today. You are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is your promise. Nothing can separate you. No thing, listen, no fear can separate you. No doubts, no mistakes, no disappointments, no failure, no sin can keep you away from the presence of God. God loves you with an unconditional love. He wants you to go into this new year knowing he is with you, he was with you, and he will be with you to the ends of the days. Bible says, even though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. Amen. He's with you. He's not forgotten you. I was standing down there this morning as we were worshiping, and I just kept hearing the Lord say, I'm going to release the gift of hope back to you. You need to hope again. You need to dream again. You need to get excited again God is with you and just as he was preparing the palace for Joseph in the middle of his darkness God is preparing something for you and you don't know how we can turn this darkness around for good but he will if you'll trust him I'm telling you in a few months to come the situation that you're facing God's going to outshine that situation if you will let him be the great I am. You've got to let go of some things and you've got to let God take them. You've got to let go of the burden. You've got to give it to God. Let go of the fears and insecurities and give them to God. God is with you and he's fighting for you. And I'm going to invite us this today to take Jesus into Emmanuel, into 2024 with us. And I mean really taking him with us. I'm believing, God, we're going to be entering our 21 days of prayer and fasting on January 1st. And I'm asking this church to come together for this prayer and fasting. Because I believe God's going to do something so supernatural in this new year. I'm trusting God in such deep Deep levels that only God can do. And I'm going to ask you to join in this fast. I think Titus has a QR code that he can put up there. And it takes you to a link to our website. And you can join the fast. And it's got fasting teachings on there. It's got fasting resources on there. Um, Wednesday night, uh, um Uh, Pastor Chuck did a fabulous message on prayer. I just highly encourage you to get on there and start preparing your hearts for January 1. You know, it takes a while to get our heart and mind in alignment with fasting. It really does, and that's why I want to mention it early because I want you to get involved, and I'm personally going to challenge you. If this is in your heart, I want you to take it to prayer to do a three-day no-food fast. I just really want to challenge you. I'm doing for sure three. Sometimes I do more. But I want to challenge this entire church to do three days of a liquid fast as we go into this new year. And get your journal now. Start writing in it right now. Start writing what you desire in 2024. If you're married, get with your spouse and start dreaming together for your family and your children, but also dream about your church and what part you can play in the kingdom of God. What miracles are you looking for? And then you're going to fast, and we're going to connect our faith to those things that we're believing God for. Amen? I'm telling you, God can move mountains when you fast. I don't have time to teach on it. That's why we make it available to you. If he doesn't have the code, you just jump on our website. You'll see it on there. But I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. And then every, th- every first three Wednesdays of the month, we come here in the sanctuary and we pray together. And we've had over 60 people come on a Wednesday night just to pray. It's a powerful, powerful time together. So I want you to encourage, if you can get your schedule changed, take those three. Take the first fruits of your year and let's give them to the Lord. Amen. Let's say I got to get off of work early. I got to go in early, get, I don't know what I got to do, but I'm going to be in the house of the Lord to pray this year. I'm going to give God my very best. I'm going to put Emmanuel in the driver's seat of my life. Amen. Because I believe spiritual things are going to happen as we enter into this new year, but we've got to make God number one. I have such anticipation for this year, for this church, for this community, and for your lives. God is the God of breakthrough. Amen. And breakthrough is coming for you. I'll close with this scripture verse, Revelations 1.8. says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. That promises from Genesis to Revelations. He was, who is, he was, and is to come. He is the God of your life. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and stand on your feet. Have you stand on your feet. And I'm going to pray over you this morning. I'm going to challenge you with a couple things. I'm going to ask you to invite someone to Christmas Eve Eve service. I just heard a statistic this week. 80% of the people you ask to come to Christmas service says yes. 80%. You know how high that is? I want to challenge you. Invite someone to Christmas Eve Eve. Get them in the house of the Lord. They will experience a beautiful presence of God And they will hear a beautiful gospel message, amen. Let's flood this house with with people. And then also Wednesday night is our last Wednesday night of the year. And uh, Pastor Sally is going to close out our Wednesday nights, and she always does such a powerful word from God. And then we're going to have some food in the courtyard, and we're going to hang out and just fellowship, and the youth are going to have a Christmas party. And so we're just going to close out our Wednesday nights with a powerful time together. Amen? But let me pray over you today. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room. Emmanuel, I thank you that you are with them. You are in their trials, their situations. You are the great I am. And Father, I just speak the breath of life over them. I speak the breath of hope over them, Father God, that Lord, they will begin to dream again, that Lord, you'll begin to stoke a fire on the inside of their hearts, God. Whatever miracle they're looking for, God, whether it's personal or for a family member, God, whatever it is, we just come into agreement with that in the name of Jesus. Let it be done according to your word, Father God. And Lord, I just thank you for everyone in this room to feel your power, to feel your love, your grace, and your mercy. We reroute every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we release the peace and the presence of God right now. And I want to give everyone the opportunity here today that doesn't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you need to get things right with the Lord, this is your moment to say yes. Yes. Say yes to Emmanuel. Say yes to a new day. Hallelujah. I just sense that there's a couple people here this morning that are just wrestling. You're wrestling with life. You're wrestling with finding happiness. And I hear the Lord say, if you'll make this decision today, God is going to give you the peace that you need. God says, don't wrestle with him anymore. Just make a final yes. It's like you've just been wrestling because of disappointment and God says, just say yes and I'll work it all out. Maybe you just need to come back to Jesus today. I don't know where you're at, but I want to say this prayer together. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. I need you to be Emmanuel in my life. I surrender it all to you. Give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. In Jesus' name. And with all eyes eyes still closed, if you meant that prayer this morning in any way, would you just raise your hand all over this room that you said yes to Jesus? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's literally hands, hands all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you wrap them in covenant, you wrap them in blessings, and you wrap them in favor. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You welcome Pastor Paul this morning.